0: Hi, this is Ivanya Easley with the Closet Chronicles. I'm the CEO and founder of Love E Fashion and styled by Love E. This podcast is all about delving a little deeper into the fashion industry and the business behind the style and fashion. And we have different guests that come on and share their style from designers, other stylists, buyers, and other jobs that are in this industry. And they just get to share their story and give, of course, advice if you're an inspiring or new designer or new person into the fashion industry. So today we have a special guest, Miko. And she's going to share her story. Welcome. Thank you for joining.
1: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Of course, of course, we're
0: excited to black fashion movement when you were here in Atlanta. So I'm not going to hold up progress. So I want you to, of course, share your brand and how you started and what your design aesthetic is all about. Well, it's okay. No problem. Um, (laughs) Well, from my brand
1: perspective, uh, the brand was launched in 2019. um, And we launched it with Harlem's Fashion Row, which is a huge organization, um, I love Brandis. Brandis is amazing. And um we actually shot it at the top of the uh new One World Trade, which is really interesting. Oh, it's wow. kind of like oh. Yeah, it was amazing. It was really amazing. If, if you know anything about um the history of the Trade Center outside of 9/11, but it's an African burial ground. So it Oh it, wow. Yeah, I did not know a, that yeah it's huge so it was like okay this felt really momentous for us um and what we were doing because we in that particular uh showing we really went in and was like it was very afro futuristic yeah. and um we had you know indigenous people from all cultures being represented and um but really paying giving a nod to the ancestors in that moment but so we we launched on 2019 with that and then 2020 we started um actually I wrote for the CFDA um after the George Floyd um murder and you know everything that was happening as we're coming out of the pandemic I was writing a lot and just being really moved by what was Mm -hmm. happening um Mm -hmm. and then by the fall I was picked up I did another presentation um for you know New York Fashion Week and really did a docu documentary style presentation because there weren't really any live shows happening at that time and um the documentary style presentation was a depiction of moments over time from the history of indigo and its connection to enslavement of of african people uh to america Mm -hmm. and um and black indigenous people and so we we really highlighted the the denim as a social cultural and political yes. icon throughout American history through that um presentation and then from there you know Nordstrom picked it up um shop I picked it up and we've been in those stores um since and so it's been actually you know this this month makes a year that we've been in stores with these guys and we had another I presentation so you know we show every year thank you so much and so that's pretty much about the brand but for me my story goes a lot a lot. Longer, but actually, my <laughs> history began in and you know, actually, like starting to design for people started in Atlanta.
0: <laughs> oh, wow, okay,
1: yeah. So, um, in Atlanta, um, I had moved to Atlanta from university, I was at university in New York, and then I moved to Atlanta to be with my sister, and she had gone to CAU, she was at Clark Atlanta University. Okay, um, I'm looking my and- internship right now. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. So she was part of the whole, you know, the, you know, that was the whole little was it the four colleges that were there, right? Yes. So she yes. she had already been in Atlanta from that and um she had been very close to Lisa Left Eye, T-Boz and yes. uh Chilli. Particularly T-Boz and Le- and Left Eye. And um I was invited to uh a party with her. It was T-Boz's birthday party and oh. um she was like yeah come to this party with me blah 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 and i was like all right i'm gonna come and um but i don't know what i'm gonna wear so we went shopping we actually went to phipps plaza
0: mm-hmm.
1: crazy because that's where my clothes are Fips uh, <laughs> and perimeter so we went to we went to phipps and i was just like I a full so circle I, moment now huh it's, it's really a full circle moment anyway so we went to phipps and and i was finding stuff for her but i really couldn't find found a couple of things for me but i couldn't find like a top so she gave me, um, she, she had like an old leather African pouch bag, like a, you know, like a, um, a backpack. Yes. And I was like, what are you doing with this? Do you want it? she was like, oh, it's stained. I'm going to, I'm about to throw it out. I was like, oh no. I was like, can I have it? She was like, yeah, yeah, take it. So I took the bag and I made a top. I made this like wow. really cute leather halter top from the bag, just used everything in the bag and used it to make the top. Didn't use any other, you know, accessories just used with the bag had. And, um. You know, sewed up and created the straps and all the whole thing. Anyway, I wore this top, and um, when my when I was walking, I guess when we walked into the the space and you know meeting everybody, the first thing you know, as we you know land up to Tiba, she was like, her first reaction was, "Oh my god, I love that top!" And my sister's like, "My sister made that. She made that. She's a designer." I was like, "Oh no!" Firstly, I wasn't a designer, but I'd always been a <laughs> artist yes and I'd always been an artist um I actually you know was just like sketching and doing stuff from when I was a kid so I was always manipulating fabric denim and particularly had been my canvas it was like hard textured pieces so denim and leather were like my was like my wheelhouse I loved okay. working with denim and leather um and so I really you know I, I, that has been like that was like what I was playing around with but it was always for me it was like you know and some family and some friends but never like you know I, I didn't I didn't see myself as a designer. but she was like yeah she's a designer and I was like oh no she's and my sister's a marketing guru so she was just like yeah. you know trying to take the opportunity and I'm like oh no I can't recreate this you know for me my style yeah. is I'm a one of one like I make the yes. prototype and then somebody needs to make that. Cause I'm not, I can't do, I can't redo what I'm doing in the moment of inspiration. That's yes. like, I feel like inspiration is a, is something that is like a gift as an artist that like, you know, really you're being downloaded into you're being channeled in that yes. moment. Like God is downloading into you. And this is like, this beautiful thing is just being created. And that's really how I've worked. And so I was like, yes. Oh no, I can't recreate this thing. And she was like, It didn't stop anything. But anyway, that's pretty much how it started. And then I started making like custom things for t boss and then went on to do stuff for uh, Ludacris and was working with him and the BET and the MTV award shows and a lot of music videos. I I made custom um, products for music videos for uh, different artists under Universal Def Jam roster. And then, um, you know, was on covers of magazines at the time. And then... uh, interviewed for a job i didn't even know what i was interviewing for i had been recommended interviewed for a job honestly didn't know what i was interviewing for i just knew it was a design position walked in there showed them my portfolio of like you know you know doing this custom work yeah basically you know i was a costume designer i didn't really i had a few sketches in there but you know there was you needed to know how to like design on a computer and i didn't know how to really do that yeah I didn't know how to do any of that but you know I showed them my hand sketches and show them my portfolio and you know a few days later I got a call that with they that they wanted to offer me the position I had no idea what this was so I was like oh my god yes and so I spoke to my sister and I was like I got the job and she's like what is it for I said I don't know and then she said (laughs) well how much you pay I said I don't know She's like, you don't know how much they're paying you? You don't know what it is? I said, no. I was like, oh, no, I'm embarrassed. She was like, you got to call them back. I was like, I can't. I was so embarrassed. <laughs> She's like, you got to call them back. I was like, shoot. So I called them back. And it turns out the position was the head designer for Baby Fat. And um, wow. it was the head designer position. Yeah, 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 yeah. What a great salary. So I was just like, oh, my God. So that was my first job, yeah. like my first real job. And then from there, I went on and became design director uh for many other brands and i just you know pretty much you know was leading like three and four brands at a time Mm -hmm. um at some point i uh around i guess it was in the late 2000s um 2000 you know before 2010 i guess it was like 2007 2008 i started i started my own consulting company where i wanted to kind of like help position brands because i recognized i knew how to tell brand stories i was really good at like presenting and like seeing the vision for the brand and really um, delivering the brand story. Yes. And whether that was doing that creatively, but also being able to um, communicate that um, to a group of people. So I wanted to do that more. So I started my own company in 2007 and it, it kind of gave, it gave me the space to be able to work with several different brands in the mm-hmm. way that I wanted to work with them. Cause okay. you know, if you're hired by somebody, if you're hired by a company, they want you to work in the way that you want to, and they want you to work. Like, you know, they're there. You may not have the freedom to be as creative or, you know, really be able to pitch what it is that you can do. So it gave me the advantage to be able to pitch and negotiate how I wanted to work. And so I've had that company. um, We now work with like nonprofits and that kind of stuff, but I've had that company since 2007. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And so that um, really allowed me to, uh, position myself to take on an assignment which give me gave me the position as a global design director and i lived um in china for about a year and a half um you know teaching an asian and chinese design team yeah teaching a chinese design team how to design for american market but also having an american design team simultaneously so i was you know this whole like zoom thing like we i was doing that already mm-hmm. back then like we were doing like, skype we were on skype and You know, I was at nighttime. You know, it's it's 13 hours ahead in China. So at nighttime, I was on the call with my American team, Mm -hmm. and during the day, I was working with my um, my my Chinese team. And I had to learn Mandarin, and you know, was living there, you know, pretty much full time. And uh, yeah, it was an incredible, it was an incredible experience. Um, Excuse me, and I loved it, and I was just on the ground of like you know, developing fabrics and developing washes and really at the factories and working hand in hand with the teams. It was just really very much hands-on and I loved it. And um, really inspired me of like, you know what? I really need to be hands-on. Like yeah. I, I need to be more hands-on. I need to be in it, like in this way. And so when I came back to New York, I was like sort of depressed and like, yeah. I don't know if I want to come back to this, but you know, I have as son was yeah. a little boy at the time. And, you know, we had to get back into the rhythm of home and, and yeah. you know, and get it back set up. And so, you know, you can't really... At that, I was not sure of how I could, like, pivot and do what I really wanted to do, which was yeah. to move across country and kind of, like, just really, like, do this hands-on. But because so much of my family is rooted in the, on the East Coast. And he was young. And I don't want to uproot him in that way. But yeah. um, we... We just continue to I continue to work for other companies under my own steam. Um and the last position and and I'd started different like you know versions of my own brand throughout the years. I had like I probably had you know I had uh Miko Michael uh originals. That's like mm-hmm. my Instagram is Miko Michael because that was yeah. an original. My my first brand name was Miko Michael, like Miko My Company. Um, yeah, originals which was like custom pieces and um that I did for people starting with t bars, and then yeah. we did I had M2O which was accessories that I was doing I was like you know making custom leather bags um and then uh um I came up with several different brands um that I have you know like <laughs> just uh books and books of brand and brand concepts that I have here in my house. And I was just like, you know, playing around. Oh, the Serenity scarves I had where I was doing like these, you know, those tubular scarves that, you know, everyone just kind of like. So I did that. Those, you know, all this kind of stuff, just these different things where I was inspired to just kind of help me through um, those moments. And I'm also a painter, Mm -hmm. so I would like to paint a lot and I would be painting and doing exhibitions and stuff like that. But with all that being said, um, but... Thank you. So at, by the end of 2000, by 2016, I was like, okay, I really want to do this brand. Um, so 2016, we, you know, pretty much like got all the business information for Oak and Acorn set up.
0: Yeah.
1: And, um, and like, you know, just like you know, the framework of what you need to set a business when you, when you start a business, you got to get all your paperwork together. Right. So you had to do all that stuff. Thank God my uncle helped me with all of Mm -hmm. that. Um, I had like a initial salesperson that I was talking to. I had my design partner that I've, that I'd known since 2007 who helped me. And she and I were like working on this. We did the photo shoot. We got some samples made. Um, We had a Chinese manufacturer who was a woman who was a woman who, she makes her own fabric. She washes her own product. She had the full service, like vertical package, full package. So we were happy yeah. to work with her because then I was yeah. like, these three women doing their thing. And so we were trying to do it where it would be drop ship to customer. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was not around yet. That, that model hadn't been perfected yet.
0: Ah, okay. <laughs>
1: Shipping. But we were trying to do that. And we had gone to like trade shows and all that stuff and had crazy response and they wanted to pick us up, but it was just the two of us. I was in the United States and my partner was in Brazil. She's Korean born, but she was in Brazil. And at the time she was there with her husband and we know nothing about what the next steps were to push it forward, like, you know, to take on. I don't know if you've ever seen this, but when a store wants to buy you and if you're not ready, you don't have any mentorship or any kind of like people to talk to about it. Yeah. Their books, their vendor uh, supply uh, requirement books are insane. Wow. And if you don't understand that or have someone to help you walk through it, you, yeah. you know, you're you're basically diving into something that can just, you know, demise, just be the demise of your business. So yeah. we looked at those books and those guidelines and we're like, we know nothing about this.
0: Yeah.
1: And we got really scared. We got very scared. And so we're like, I don't know if we're ready for this. You know, we had a big order on our hands, but we yeah. didn't, we were afraid. We didn't know what to do. So that was like, that was in 2016. I was like, okay, I don't, I don't know how we're going to do this. Yeah. After that, um, we were trying to like ship it directly to the customer. And we take on that as our own expense from the factory to the customer. And that wasn't the way to do it. I spent, I probably put, I put over $20,000 of my own money into that and, and lost it. And so I was like, all right, well, this is not it. So I took a step back. Yeah. I was like, I don't know if this is it. I, 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 um, took a step back. My son was graduating. Um, not graduating actually, graduating from high school, but yeah, going to college. And so I took a trip to Spain um as a graduation gift to myself. Okay. <laughs> it was my birthday week. And I had been um the design director for Jessica Simpson collection, which is a huge, very you know, her her collection is very yes, is. She's a billion I dollar said, business. Yeah.
0: Ago, so yeah, it is huge.
1: Yes. Yeah, she's huge. So I was design director for her collection and was they had created a position for me where I was working on her collection, also working on another brand for Walmart, um, their like in-house collection, denim yeah. collection. And so I was I was doing that for about two years and um getting ready for my birthday trip. And I got a call from my girl down at Human Resources. And she's like Miko, can you come to my office? And I was just like, Are you gonna fire me? Mm-hmm. <laughs> she was like Miko, can you come down? And I was like, okay. So I went downstairs <laughs> and she said Miko Walmart doesn't want to do business anymore. They want to do everything. They want to take it everything in house. In house, yeah. And that's a big part of your salary. And we can't afford to pay you anymore. So we're going to have to, you know, lay you off. And I was like, oh, so you are. <laughs> yeah, like so I just I buy asked you that. Bro, bro. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was like, wait a minute. So she was like, I was like, oh man. So I was sitting there with her and the chief merchandising officer. CMO, and they're like, we love you. We think you're super talented, um, but you know, it's, I knew it was coming. I don't know yeah. why I knew, but I knew, but I knew, right? And so I was, I was like, wow, I was just about to go to Spain to take my week, yeah, and, and I was like, they're like, we're gonna give you, you know, a great severance package yeah. and blah blah blah. So I was like, so I was in Spain for the week, and I ended up staying for the month wow and it was something that i really really needed yeah you know i because i don't know if you if you know when you're working and you're in that life and you're constantly working and working super hard and i've been working super hard for years yeah that first the first two weeks of any vacation you're not even in the vacation you're still like
0: decompressing thank you
1: So I didn't really hit my stride until the last two weeks of the vacation. And I again, I had that same feeling of regret when I was coming home that I had from from China, which was, I don't want to come back. Yeah. You know? Um, I had an art exhibition when I got back to get ready for. I was invited to, you know, display my art um, and have a solo show, which I was really excited about yeah um so I was working towards that um and um I had a really bad accident on the way to the art store oh wow really just like walking in in the street and um, on the sidewalk stepped off the street stepped back onto the sidewalk and my foot got stuck and Ooh. I fell out into the street Ooh. broke my leg Oh, when wait, my bus wow. got stuck. I was literally on one of the most busiest streets, which is One Twenty Fifth Street in Harlem. I was oh, laid out in the bus that. lane.
0: <laughs> I'm happy you didn't get hit by a car, girl. I was in the bus lane. Oh Lord,
1: people are screaming. I don't know if you know anything about what's like in Harlem, but they're like, I you do. Get I've up.
0: been there. <laughs> oh my God, they're screaming at me like, get up, get up, get up, get up, get up.
1: And I was like, I can't. I could not move. I couldn't get up. So two gentlemen, thank God, picked me up. No cars. Thank God no buses were coming. You know, that could have been at the, it It yeah. for me, you know? It really was, like, life-changing. Two gentlemen carried me to the bus, Um, you know, the little bus depot, the little space where you sit and wait for the bus. And, you know, of course, they wanted to call an ambulance. I'm like, please, I don't want to make more of a drama and, and yeah. <laughs> on 125th Street. If the ambulance comes, the news is going to come. I don't want to make more of a drama. So I had my, my, my nephew come pick me up and we went to the hospital and it turns out, you know, I had it broken, so it really put me in a depression. Cause you know, if you think about like, I, I was moving, I was in Spain, all this thing and it kind of put me in a depression of like, Oh shoot. Like I can't move. That was it. And I'm yeah. like, how am I going to do my art? My, my yeah. pieces are like floor size pieces, huge and, uh, I need to be on the floor, like on my knees painting and I can't do that. So I had to figure it out, but I prayed and prayed and prayed. And I felt like it was a moment where God was telling me like, okay, I just need you to be still and focus. Yeah. Right. Everything go, be still and focus. And this has a lot to do with my brand. So that's why I'm telling you all this stuff. Yes. Tell me to be still and focus and listen and what and what i also felt in my soul was that at that moment i needed to journal i needed to write everything i was feeling on a daily do a daily journal and i said and i was i felt that i needed to record this and put it you know each journal submission um on a website and publish it and i was like oh no this is so not what i would ever do it's 2017 i was like i'm not doing that and I was like, okay. I heard it and I had to follow it. So I did that. So through my journey of doing, of like being hurt and really just being really focused and in the moment of painting, you know, Frida Kahlo, who is an artist, incredible artist, felt like my muse at the moment. Because if you know her story, mm-hmm. similar to myself, Frida um, was going off to medical school. So for me, I my my study, my area of study was, I was a pre-med biology major. Um, so I really, oh, wow. my intention was to become a, yeah, my intention was to become a doctor. Um, but uh, art took over my life. And similarly, Frida um, really felt like amused to me at that moment because I was thought about me being whiny. And then I, 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 I don't know, I was just moved by her and her story. Yeah. About how she was incredibly injured and through her spine in this terrible accident almost cut in half and she was able to paint to heal herself and so I saw the painting and the and the sketching and the writing as being part of my healing process and I really utilized that in that way and I I you know the first thing when you go to the hospital they want to give you a bunch of medication all that stuff and I'm not for any of that I don't I don't drink. I don't, you know, I don't use. Yeah. So I was like, uh, you know, I want to know how I can heal myself from the inside out. And I really started to study like Dr. Sebi and understand, yeah. you know, just like this whole and started to reach out to different um, natural healers, um, the people who mm-hmm. understood herbs and that kind of stuff and um, knew what I need to do as far as like changing my diet. So I, I got really strict with my diet. I wanted to, you know, become anti-inflammatory wanted to reduce the inflammation from the inside out and so I started to alkalize my body and um that really helped in my own pain management um you know really just eliminating food certain foods so that I can clean my body out um and I did my my I was able to successfully do my exhibition. Um, mm-hmm. but I, what I got away from this whole healing process, and I was in a cast for about six months. Um and um I learned that the 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 uh practice of meditation.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I learned that meditation is not just like sitting and, you know, you know, sitting in the room and be like, ooh, yes. you know. <laughs> I learned that meditation is a focused Practice anything that gives you peace, yes, that you can focus in is your meditation. Whether it's writing, whether it's you know, um, cooking, yeah, whether it's uh, farming, whatever it is, painting, yeah, jogging, walking, sitting by the water. That focus practice, that time where you can get your quiet and you can hear God, that was meditation. And that is meditation. And so I, I, I understood that on a very deep level. And then I um, I knew that, you know, then that, that was how I wanted to live my life. I started this other thing called Eno Anu, which is really one, one in Spanish and in English, um, yeah. backwards. And it was a collective of focusing artists as the healer. And I started doing meditation events um, around this.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: Simultaneously, I was helping my sister with her nonprofit organization um, on the creative side through um, my company and helping her with like all the branding. Um, her organization is We Got Us Now, which mm-hmm. is a national nonprofit for children and young adults who've been have like, experienced uh, a parent who has been incarcerated.
0: Ah. Is
1: our story it was, it was our story as well? Um, our dad at the time had been incarcerated for mm-hmm. you know over twenty years. Um, so yeah, that was really like the trajectory and I was like working with her, I was doing these meditations and really just focusing on my self care and my self healing and helping my sister. And so I stepped away from denim at this point point. and, yeah. but it was haunting me. I, I, I didn't understand why it was haunting me. It denim has haunted me my whole life, but it started to really haunt me in this moment when I stepped away. And I, and I I I I was I had been determined that if I was going to show up back in the community, I wanted to do it in a way that was the way that I wanted to do it. That would be and would be sustainably made. I had been studying the history of denim for a while, um, looking at like what is the beginning of denim? How did denim start um, in America? And had always made it back to hemp as being the first denim, yeah. and. One at and and you know how before hemp uh, it was uh you know it was hemp and then co- went to cotton and then you know just kept reading and then I I stumbled upon this thing called Negro cloth and I was like what the hell is Negro cloth or slave cloth mm-hmm. and apparently it was this discarded blue dyed woven denim fabric jean fabric that was only unfit was only it was unfit for anyone else to wear but only fit for the enslaved population in america to wear and i was like what the hell is this so i started to really dig 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 and then i found out about indigo and how indigo had been integral in the um and the, the enslavement of people it had been a hidden commodity of the slave trade. And I was like, well, nobody talks about this. How come I never heard about this? I've been, you know, since I'm asking myself these questions like I've been you know, presenting denim brands telling brand, denim stories and everything has been about like, you know, this kind of like either like very connected to you know, Western or the like, the cowboy um, nothing that was or James Dean or you know like this kind yes. of like very like White male centered and focused depiction of denim, but never it excluded this whole history of like where indigo originated and the indigo plantations, the 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 um the denim being excluded an exclusionary product that was only worn by the enslaved population, that it had excluded the fact that the pieces that they sold. And mended and created were became the staples for what we wear as denim essentials today, like the trucker jacket, the the crop jean, the overall, the co- all those things were things that they would be wearing. So I saw, and started to realize and unearth in my research about denim and the denim history, and um, and that there had never been a through line about. Uh, this conversation to denim as it spans today, that the enslaved, that the mills, the first mills and the first factories were the American plantations. Yeah. The conversation had never been had. And so I started to thread this and weave this together. And I wanted to highlight this, our contributions to the denim space. And I felt like, you know, I that was the only person that could do it. You know, there aren't a lot of Black women in denim. There aren't yeah. really Black women leading denim, the denim yeah. space. There aren't that many women leading the denim space, but there aren't that many women of color doing it. And so I, I felt like this was a story that only I could tell, uh, at least to initiate. And I didn't feel like it was a Black story, but an American story that needs yeah. to be shared with the over. So that's how Oak and Acorn, as it stands today, started. But we focused... Um, So our our whole mission is to be able to, you know, be able to pay homage to the first and foremost, pay homage to the roots of indigo and denim in America by, you know, uh, talking about the untold history of the enslaved Africans and black indigenous people. But we also center sustainability and we see sustainability as firstly, you know, from my personal experience of health, your health and wellness, like taking care of yourself. Yeah, first and foremost. And then how is it that you impact your community? And then, you know, what are we using in our fibers and our fabrics? So we see that as part of like a 360 approach to uh, uh, um, the sustainability space. Um, and so, yeah, when I talk about, you know, when you think about today as people come into land reclamation and understanding like, oh, you know, this is what COVID has taught us about how we need to take better care of ourselves, how people are now growing their own food, you know, and recognizing like, if you're going to talk about food, you also have to talk about fiber. Like, where does it come from? How does it grow? What are we putting on our bodies? Like, you know, there's an African proverb of um, that uh, Catherine McKinley, author of, you know, the uh, um the uh she's an author that talks about the uh, indigo and it's very much inspired my work. She talks uh um about that the color in itself indigo is very sacred and that fabric was meant to shroud your your body to protect your soul and your body. If you think about your 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 body your your skin is like you know the most prominent organ and basically everything that you wear on it is, you know, you're absorbing whatever that is that's on that fabric that's being on your body. Right. So most people don't wash the clothes when they buy their clothes. That's not the first thing they do. Maybe they do it with baby clothes, but adults, most of the time, they don't wash the clothes when they first wear them. We're, we're being intentional about the type of chemicals and, you know, additives that we're using to color and to, to care of our products so that we are not, you know, um, hurting
0: people yeah that makes sense that makes the story yes crazy. no thank you again for taking the time um and before i let you go of course i'd like to know what are three things that you would give to an aspiring designer or someone new in the industry in this space as a designer even if it's not denim but if, if it is denim but what advice or three pieces of advice you think you would give to them
1: to anybody as an artist, designer, yes. stylist um creative yes um that is a gift, yeah, um to be able to see and create um and I would say, first yes. and foremost, um, honor your heart, honor your passion um, mm-hmm. make sure you find your center, you know, your space where you can always find peace, where you can find um Focus. That quiet space is really important. As things get tougher and harder and more challenges you're met with, you're going to need to find a space to come back to. And it can't be something outside of you. It can't be it can't be oh, I'm going to the club or I'm going to I'm going to have a drink with friends after work. It can't be that like you need to find a space, whether it's your church or whatever it is, a community. You need to find a space that you can come back to, where you can be completely yourself and 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 be authentically you and find your space. And I would say, keep trying, keep yeah. trying, trying different things. Like you know, I I've had several different businesses. I continue to start up businesses. I'm a serial entrepreneur um, at heart. I'm a, I'm a, a, a polymath. I'm I'm also you know I create IP all the time. Try yeah. things all the time. Everything that you that you create may not be yours. It may be something you to give to somebody or for someone to invest in. So just keep trying out different ideas and, and never give up because your your passion will lead you. It will
0: guide you to where you, where you need to be and how you need to show up on this world. Exactly. I love that. I love that. Thank you again for taking the time. I'll definitely reach out and tag you when uh, we edit and get ready to post it. I hope you have an amazing rest of the week and really thank you again for taking time to share your story as well as share just the history and the background of denim and all that can go into it. And it's just deeper than just, oh, I can design and I woke up and made clothes, but you being like a true artist. So I really love that and loves learning more of your story because I didn't get to hear all of it when we met. Here in Atlanta with everything that was going on. So. I know we had a lot going on. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I again thank you. It was great. And I'll definitely talk with you again soon. Yeah. Just let me you. know when you're back in Atlanta. Would love to connect again. Well, Atlanta is
1: our number one, it's like one of our number one um, spaces you know so we we plan okay. on trying to do more activations in atlanta cuz they're they're definitely the community there is like our, our number one um as far as Nord- Nordstrom goes is our yes. number one um location so
0: definitely i love it yep thank All you right. so much no thank you chat soon take care All right. okay, okay bye bye